Bonsai friends, this is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonsai, and welcome to episode 21 of Little Things for Bonsai People, uh, formerly Bonsai Southeast. This time I'm joined by one of my co-hosts, uh, Carmen Leskobiansky. <gasps> you got Nailed my it. right! Yes. I'm I wanna... so proud of you. Have you been practicing? Uh, no, it's just the one. It's one of those things where I'll say it, and this time around, I got to it, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say it like I don't care. Like, <laughs> I'm so that's, excited. Good that's job. one for the scoreboard. Like, how many episodes has it been? Like, probably know, six like... or seven. That's <laughs> Evan six, Leskovinsky one. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait! I don't know. I the other, other way around. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leskovinsky. Six, Evan, one. Yeah. I think you anyway. have two now. She said it right twice so far on this episode. Uh, or more, more, I should say, like, long English words. Actually, what is that last name? What's the origins of the last name? I'm sorry. Uh, Czechoslovakian? Okay, yeah. yeah. Czechoslovakian names versus me. Um, and also other long English words. Anyway, uh, how are you feeling today, Carmen? Um, I'm feeling pretty good right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I could uh, make that really, really ridiculous and over the top for a second there. Um, but today we're going to be discussing bonsai forms or styles. We're going to be revisiting our little series that we've started. And today's form is going to be the clump style or uh, kabanachi. Uh, kabudachi. I'm just going to make sure I say it right. Uh, in ja- in Japanese dialect, it would be faster than that because there's no pauses. So kabadachi, or when that translates back over to uh, English, it goes to stock stand. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more once we get to it. But then we'll also do a little bit of discussion on uh, species specific uh, trident maples, and might even talk about Japanese maples a little bit. We love both of those species, and they're great for the clump style. But before I get started. With that part of the podcast, we do need to mention that our podcast is sponsored by our amazing patrons over on our Patreon. Uh, We call our $5 tier patrons Bonsai Best Buds. We currently have a good handful of them. Uh, Thank you guys so much for supporting. Uh, Special shout outs to uh, Tori Solis, Warehouse Rat, Boy Snellgrove, Ricky Ruins, Joshua Bentley, Snappy Chappers, and Ryan Gorydano. I'm sorry if I messed up your name, but now we're going to have a competition between me and that name, apparently. Thank you so much. Give him six or seven episodes and he'll get it right. Yeah, give me a good while. Uh, give me like till the, the, the next time we revisit. Wait, that's just going to be next week. I'm, I'm totally screwed. Uh, but anyway, thank you guys so much for supporting the show and being a best bud, a bonsai best bud. You can go over and be a bonsai best on our Patreon page forward slash but little things for bonsai people and uh we're supposed to be collecting birthdays but i need to go into uh i need to either start up a discord and get everybody to just kind of tell me when that's coming up but uh let's go ahead and say happy birthday to everyone whose birthday is today especially our you know our supporters uh awesome anyway so 
If you want to also support or follow me and Carmen and Mike on our social media pages, you can go to underhillboneside.com for me. I have articles that I've written in the past about bonsai techniques and my little ventures in boneside that I, that I have. Um, we have Facebook and Instagram. You can go visit there and subscribe there. Carmen, she is one of the co-founders of the Purple Pot Society, purplepotsociety.org. Go over there, check it out. Full of information. It's the uh, Women's National Boneside Club, and it's only $35 to be a member for the year. What a steal. All kinds of great content, especially for uh, anyone who wants to see that whole world of women's boneside art. And then we got Mike Lane. He's uh, currently out teaching boneside, I'm assuming. So uh, you can go over to Kitsune Boneside, and you can check out his information he uh, does private workshops he goes to people's houses maintains private collections uh does some really awesome stuff he just came back from uh india uh we mentioned this several podcasts because it was a big deal and he was gone for uh, a little while but uh we'll get mike back hopefully next episode but he's been really busy um but if you are just listening that's awesome thank you so much for listening make sure you go over and subscribe follow us on your favorite listening platform. We have reached uh, a great number of following uh, subscribers now. We have 50 people. Thank you guys so much. I don't know where all these subscriptions are linked to, but appreciate it. Uh, But yeah, let's get into the uh, main topic, which is clump style or kabinachi. It's a style or form. I know I was leaning kind of into talking about uh, style versus forms. And the last time we talked about this with the informal upright. And the reason why I want to say that is because uh, I was supposed to bring a book with me whenever I was visiting Carmen up at the uh, Cartigas Bonsai Garden. And it was the uh, World Styles of Bonsai, I believe. Do you remember? Um, yeah, I remember. Bonsai Styles of the World by. Charles Siriano. And that's an excellent book. You, I think it just got reprinted recently. And this is kind of like the companion to what we're doing here. I think I think I should probably start referencing it more and get some uh some content from that. Might even try to reach out to the author. That would be a really cool little thing to do. Yeah. Um good friend of mine, uh present like showed me this book and i was like this is actually really cool because it breaks down all the styles into their subcategories of how each of them could be done differently um because even though we're doing like we had mentioned with the informal upright even though we're doing uh your typical you know here's the nabari here's the takagari where it comes up to the first branch and then it goes over and it sweeps to whatever direction and then the crown will land right back over the base that can be done in so many different styles and so many different ways there's no one way that can be done and i think clump is a very unique style as well because i mean when we think of clump i mean what do you you think carmen i mean clump is it's really hard to explain yeah i mean i usually think of of multiple trunks um but it can be where was my brain going? Um, I definitely think multiple trunks, but there's not really a way that they have to be situated necessarily. It's not a full on forest. That's different. 
but it's um yeah it's it doesn't have to necessarily be like slanting or broomstick you know there's not really one way to do a clump it's just you have multiple trees kind of put together so i, mean, I don't know if that was helpful i mean it's it's helpful enough um i mean and you mentioned just a second like just a little bit earlier like forests and so yeah. clumps are not necessarily forest plantings right would you say yeah. um they're more there there's a reason why they're called a clump and, and there's I think there's two versions of it. I don't know if this would be considered. Would you consider this style that's sometimes called turtleback? Have you ever heard of that before? Mm-mm. Turtleback is in reference to, um, let's say you took like, I think one of the better candidates for this is like a crepe myrtle, for instance. Mm-hmm. If a lot of people are familiar with crepe myrtles, uh, Lego, uh, like how, well, lockers trophy him. Um, <laughs> but the, the tree, sometimes those crepe myrtles will grow into a, just a massive literal clump of, of trunks and, and stuff. And so they get this big giant knot or this swell at the bottom. And okay. then um, what can be done is all those trunks be cut off and you have like this ball mass of what, what the trunk was. And you kind of carve it in literally into like what looks like a ball. And mm-hmm. then when it suckers off of that mass, it makes what sometimes is termed as a, um, as a turtle back. Okay. So, so it looks like a, like a, island or a turk like you ever, you ever heard like the the lore for i don't i'm not sure what lore it comes might be chinese lore the turtleback uh islands like it's literally a gigantic turtle yeah um, yeah i think there's some indigenous cultures in north america that um have a similar uh mythology um yeah i think i've seen that we do that a lot with um coriolopsis and uh some ilex so yeah that's Right. Yeah. There's, there's different ways to have a clump because I'm also thinking of how we have chojubai clumps, which mm-hmm. are also very different than like a, a Coriolopsis or a maple clump, but they're all technically clumps. So. And yeah. uh, Cor- Coriolopsis, that's. Uh, winter hazel. The, winter hazel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, that's a species that I don't get to see a whole lot. Only when I'm up in the Pacific Northwest with you guys. Um, yeah. If you guys are not familiar with that, Coriolopsis winter hazel. Um, and it's just a learn from me, too, because I love knowing the Latin names. But yeah, it's, it's they're blooming right now. Andrew Robson has a really nice one. I think that's one of the ones that won at the Pacific Bonsai Expo. Yeah, go, go over and check out Pacific Bonsai Expo and go look up. Uh, Jonas has got a great blog. I mean, his, his his blog is just great regardless but uh he's got a good coverage on that show and uh that that's a yellow flower right yeah yeah it's yeah. like a, a little yellow dangly thing <laughs> um i might have to contact um andrew and see if i can use that that tree as a mm-hmm. thumbnail for this for this episode because that tree is gorgeous that's um, amazing yeah yeah and and so that's a great that's a great representation of a clump and it, i think it is kind of like a tortoise back looking clump mm-hmm. like it is comes out one giant base yeah and, that one big knot with all the multiple trunks coming out of it yeah and it should be distinct that it's not a broom style which right. could it could be confused for that um mm-hmm. and where, where do you draw the line at broom style versus clump I always think of a broom style. It's it only has one trunk, so that's what makes a broom style a broom style for me. So a, a clump can still have that kind of overarching um, 
roundish full canopy like you would see with a broom style but because it has multiple trunks i would not consider it a broom uh yeah so the single trunk on a broom that's a really great point that's something that i feel like kind of blurs the line between a crazy looking broom style tree versus a crazy looking clump whereas yeah like that broom needs that distinction it has that elongated section of the trunk that comes up clearly above the trunk line i mean the soil line up to it, it is a it is a trunk tree whereas a clump can kind of get away with there's an abari and then suddenly multiple branches that look like that are acting like multiple trunks instead uh, really draws that line uh, between clump and broom. But I've seen some really low broom styles that if you air, that's one of the things I think is really funny is uh, you're like, man, that's a cool broom. But if you air layered it right there, it would be a great clump. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, that's kind of where it comes from. And then I know with clump style too, that, it's not necessarily always a turtle, a tortoise back. Mm-hmm. It's also, and you guys have this up at the garden where you're at is it's a bunch of Japanese maples sometimes. And they're, mm-hmm. they're just planted in really close proximity and they're just trimmed where the fusion happens. Right. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us about that technique a little bit? Yeah. So there's a couple of ways to do this. Um, sorry. There's a cat in my bathroom and it's, going bananas right now um <laughs> so if i'm distracted that's why <laughs> no it's okay. um, she's literally bouncing off the walls oh my god what's she doing in there sorry okay you can cut that part out too no just leave that in what's the cat's name <laughs> there's again? a psycho cat in my bathroom does anybody want a cat i have an extra um <laughs> would you uh, would you end up calling the cat rosie so y'all y'all gonna keep him oh no no, oh, okay. I just I haven't had time to <laughs> repl- to to place this this stray that's been living in my bathroom for two weeks. But she's very yeah. cute when she's not jumping off the walls. Yeah, she seems um, kind of young. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So uh, Japanese are Japanese maple clumps. So there's a couple of ways that we do these. There's um, well here mostly what we're doing is air layering off like a, a section of a Japanese maple stock plant um, where there's you know, like at a branch intersection where there's uh, two or more branches coming off of, of a trunk. Uh, so we'll air layer that and then grow out the roots, you know, to create a nice nabari. So it looks, it's multiple trunk, um, but it's all one piece. There's other ways that you can do this where if you just take seedlings and plant them in really close proximity, eventually they'll fuse together. And that takes a little bit longer for that to become one solid clump uh, one solid massive tree. Um, and I think that's really where it gets confusing between is it a forest or is it a clump? Um, but but you can do it that way too. Yeah, there's a couple of different ways to make these like connected root system type styles. And that's one, that that's a couple of good ways there. And I know, um, would you consider a raft like a, there's so there's raft style. Mm-hmm. So where where's the difference between raft and clump? And I did notice that raft versus clump versus forest. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really it's, hairy. It's um, a little yeah. confusing. Yeah, I think a, a raft I consider um, like a branch that has ground layered itself. So uh, I don't know that you necessarily would be able to tell. I think that some like 
if you think of Dave DeGroat's like rainbow arching mm. raft, that's like a very obvious raft. It's all these trunks off of one branch that's like uh, could have been ground layered by you know itself. But if if that branch were in contact with the soil, the whole length of itself, you might think of it more as a clump. But I think maybe a raft you can tell that, you know, it's all these trunks off of one solid piece of wood that maybe there's not as much um, variation in where they're they're placed in the pot. Like maybe it's a little bit straighter because they're all attached to that one same piece. So uh, I think it can get kind of difficult to identify the difference between um, a raft versus a clump versus a forest. But depending on on how it's presented and how it's styled and what you know about the tree. Yeah. Um, wraps, I think from the way that I've been taught with that is that it should be literally all the trees feel like they're on a raft together mm -hmm. and, and it's long and, and usually there, there's kind of like, it goes into this other style called sinuous root, which is kind of like a raft, but it's, it's where the tree is, is, uh, is allowed to run suckers to the point where they start developing a long root system that's mm -hmm. and so when i think wrapped i think like the bigger tree is mm -hmm. is the was the formerly the first strongest branch on the on the tree before it fell over yeah and then the the preceding branches are kind of like the smaller ones and then maybe mm -hmm. the ones on the ends get bigger again yeah, yeah there's um, some variation in size there yeah and yeah, it, it's like if you can imagine one of those big oak trees you know, with the lowest branch that's gotten really heavy and has fallen to the ground and has rooted itself and kind of like goes up and down and up and down with all these different branches kind of coming out of it. That's the, if you can picture that, that's kind of what a raft yeah. should be. Yeah. Should be. And like touching down branches, like, uh, like you'd mentioned Dave DeGroote's, uh, uh, Beijing kind of style that he did with the bridge thing. That's really cool. Um, so yeah, I, and, and another thing to be known, the reason why we're, we're talking so much deeper into all this, all the styles versus each other is that when you get a piece of raw stock or bonsai, pre-bonsai plant that you're, you know, there's something going on and you would like to start developing it towards a particular style, um, even having like the book I had mentioned earlier, Bonsai Styles of the World, you're like, oh, this kind of looks like a clump. And then you can flip to the, the page in that book where it has clumps and it can show you all these variations. And maybe your tree is a certain species or maybe it has its own its own growth habit that's unique to that plant that you need to center like focus in on and make it a feature. And um, a lot of the time with clumps, the feature I mean, this is kind of how sometimes we look at some trees like uh, like Carmen had mentioned earlier, Ilex, which is holly. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of holly varieties are used in clumps because they are shrubs. Um, so that's that's really that's simple. You know, um, I see like, for instance, the Ilex that grows here, the Yopon holly, especially the, the really amazing dwarf shillings Yopon that we have. Mm -hmm. I've seen some clumps. Um, they're, I think they're okay as clumps. They're not deciduous. They don't really make a lot of features. Like, uh, what's that Ilex that's at y'all's garden up there? What was oh, that the, one? 
there's serrata and there's reticulata. So there's um, like a, a North American winterberry and then a Japanese winterberry. Okay. They're very so similar in habit. Those winterberries, they will, they will literally make red berries without leaf, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so features like that also elevate clump styles. Um, features of deciduous nature or, um, or fruiting or berries, like we had mentioned earlier with the, um, the winter hazel makes a beautiful uh, yellow flower. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a species indigenous to our Southeast area. The huckleberry makes a great clump because it makes the white berries. And I mean, the uh, white flower, the flowers and then the blueberries, basically it's blue. It's a, it's a wild, um, Oh man. Blueberry, Latin name. Uh oh, oh, oh. Um, oh my god. Yeah. Uh oh man. I feel like an idiot. I always know this one. It's very straightforward. Y'all have one blueberry. Is it a V? A V, I think. Oh, Uh, a V vaccinium. Vaccinium, thank you. Oh my god. Yeah, for a little while I was it's it was such a silly Latin name to me because it looks like vacuum. So it's like (laughs) vacuum. I'm like, what is this? Is, vacuumium. Is that, vacuumium. Yeah, that's a really cool Latin name, but it's vaccinium. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of vaccinium, a lot. There's a lot more yeah. than I thought. There's, uh, at least where you guys are at, I think there's a we good a, handful of mountain ones. Bunch. I love vaccinium. That whole, that whole genus is really cool. Yeah, vac- I think there should be more vaccinium bonsai out there. Um, I've seen some production vaccinium blueberries mm-hmm. that are bonsai is that what or is that a is that a wild one that y'all have i think that's a wild one but mm-hmm. i know people will just buy production ones um you just have to wait a little bit longer for them to look old mm-hmm. yeah the the wild ones i mean they they can be magnificent clumps i mean great clumps and they can have skinny trunks and that's not a big deal as long as they get good movement and then the feature of the fall and the in the, the berries that come and the flowers are just so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, I think clump style, I think, I think a lot, uh, clump styles are, are great, but they are not for every species. So we had, we had spoke about informal upright on the, the previous forms and styles series episode we did. And we were saying that just about everything is good for that, but mm-hmm. What do you think is more clumpy in your opinion? I think we've named off quite a few good ones, but are there any other ones you can think of? Um, I think when you mentioned something about most of these plants being shrubs, you were, I think you were really onto something because a lot of these are really difficult to grow as single trunks, like um, trying to grow a blueberry as a single trunk or a Coriolopsis or a holly or a chojubai. I mean, how often I, we've got, I don't know, one single trunk told you by here and one double trunk and literally everything else is a clump um, because it's a shrub and that's just how it grows. You just grow it into a clump. So um, I think shrubs make really, really good material. Um, but even within shrubs, you don't, you don't always see people like azaleas technically are a shrub, but you don't usually see a lot of, well, I take that back. You see some shrubs, some, oh my God, words are hard. Um, You see some clumps with azalea. Um, That's what I was going to ask you is one of the things with azaleas, I don't see a lot of, 
like every once in a while I'll see a like a clump looking forest hybrid azalea and I'm like oh that's really cool but yeah it's weird you see more of them over in Japan I think I think Americans are still really stuck on the whole big trunk sumo style thing Mm -hmm. um and azalea is a shrub that you can really do that with and you can kind of produce a, a really thick trunk pretty fast but um being a shrub a lot of times you hear folks having the top of their azalea die back and that's just part of its nature. So growing an azalea as a clump um, would work really well, probably. Uh, I haven't Hmm. personally done it yet, but I will be. Um, I've worked on some that are clumps and they're pretty, they're pretty nice. So uh, yeah, that's a good one. With azaleas. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Carmen. I was just going to say, I think it's it's interesting that we started talking about maples as clumps and they make good clumps. But it's funny, it's, that's a tree that we turn into a clump um, when there's so many shrubs that just naturally want to be clumps. And I mean, I don't have a definitive answer for that, but why do you think that? Mm, that we turn it into a, a clump? Yeah. Why do we choose like trident maples and Japanese maples to be clumps sometimes? I think because they fuse so well, and I think sometimes maybe it's you're trying to make a forest, but it fuses, and then you just end up with a clump. And you're just like, whatever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think because they're they're probably they're fairly easy to make, and they they grow pretty quickly, and um, they're a little bit. I think they're easier to to take care of than some of the shrubs, which tend to be really picky. But Japanese maple and trident maple are really kind of straightforward trees. They're hard to, mm-hmm. um, pretty easy to keep alive. Yeah, and I think a lot of dieback and all that. One of the things that kind of contributes to it, as I mentioned earlier, is they have a deciduous nature, mm-hmm. and getting a clump with lots of intricate trunk lines and and a really interesting base that's fused together, and then you get uh, on a lot of Japanese maple varieties, beautiful early spring, some some uh, flowers and seed pod stuff going on, mm-hmm. and it gives you kind of like clumps don't necessarily feel old like sometimes they feel sometimes they can feel really old given like the tortoise shell shape uh ones that that looks like an old old tree that has just multiple stories of ecosystems that have stacked into that one structure kind of feel to Mm -hmm. like when you're in the you're in the deep valley kind of wooded wooded uh hardwoods kind of area and you see that big tree that's just something happened to it and it's either died or cantalabra'd and that's another that's another style that's very distinct. Candelabras are not clumps either, but they can they can fool you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, giant branches that come down and pour out, come back and turn into trunks again. Um, so that can be very that can be a very old feeling style. Where some some clumps feel like dense, younger, middle aged forests. Um, but the fusion of the roots adds an interesting factor to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I was I was going to ask you something about azaleas before we got too off topic from the shrubbing versus the deciduous guys and uh, uh, guys or gals because uh, bonsai have feminine and masculine qualities. Um, but whenever you're dealing with an azalea and you're doing trunk removal on like maybe a big shrub that that you might have obtained from a garden center or maybe dug at your front yard. Uh, is it true that if you cut down sections of the azalea too fast, it could cause root dieback as well? I 
think I've heard that before. Um, I haven't experienced it because I haven't really gone that far on an azalea trunk. Um, but my understanding is that if you have something really well established and you cut off a big branch um, or large parts of the tree that you could technically, you could kill off a, a root zone because the root is directly feeding that portion of the, of the tree. And I think that can happen in stuff like junipers too. Um, so yeah, I've, I've heard of that happening. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about some stock. Uh, we have Suzuki uh, Wakabishu. Or is it Shenzhen? We have, well, I think we have Wakabishu at the nursery currently. We have, we have like almost a hundred of these little tiny guys. They're not really big. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just wondering like how many of those trunks would be safe to take off versus what the root mass is. And then uh, it's difficult to see because they get so dense. And then I try to dig down and find where that root base or even where the, the Nabari would even start developing. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm just seeing trunks and it's all just mad at roots. Yeah. So it's challenging. I'm going to have to go in like that too. It just looks like all these different stems coming out of the ground and I'm not really sure where the root is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, maybe you just grow box it until you see that, that root base become obvious. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's totally possible. I mean, if you're going to do a real big cut, do it in the spring or summer when it's actively growing, because you'll have a better chance of it, you know, budding back and not just dying. If you do a big cut in the winter or in the fall, um, you're you're going to you're way more likely to lose that whole branch or that section. So mm -hmm. anything bigger than like your pinky finger do in the growing season, like after flowering or whatever. Um. And we should, we're going to do a whole thing on azaleas later on. Yep. Um, but we're so I don't, close to azalea season. Ooh. When is azalea season again? Uh, like May, June. Okay. So we'll aim to do it then. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of questions I have about azaleas that I know you know a lot more um, about because of your work over at the university with those, mm -hmm. with those beautiful trees. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll revisit that on another day. But let's talk about um, trident maples and maybe a little bit about Japanese maples, uh, too, uh, because they kind of go into this clump style thing very nicely. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned earlier, you can find decent stock that could be fused together by putting into a, like an Anderson flat mm -hmm. or you can find seedlings and just start them with the. I've seen like the tourniquet technique, technique, something that you experimented with, mm -hmm. but uh, time together and just see what happens. Sometimes yeah. a few of them die, you know, the trident maple is a little tricky in that regard. I mean, they can, they can swell really easily, especially if you're trying to keep thinner trunks. So how would, like, how do you combat that in the early stages of development of those trunks then of that clump, do you think? I think you just have to really keep your eye on it. Um, if you're doing kind of the tourniquet method or, or tying trunks together, they're going to swell and they're going to swell fast. So use something that's a little bit stretchy or revisit it pretty frequently and loosen up your, your tourniquet a little bit so you don't get a weird bulge in there. Because, um, yeah, they'll, they'll move pretty quickly. That's one of the things I kind of remember for a second. We're talking about tourniquet style. That's where you take little young seedlings and then you put a 
tourniquet. So that could be anything from like a bone side, a piece of bone side wire, which is usually not recommended because that won't stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you, uh, and the reason why we're doing that just before we get too far into this, this conversation um, about tourniquet style is, uh, or development style is that we're tying these trunks together in the hopes that they'll fuse together nice and, and their, mm-hmm. their roots will appear to be one, um, and then as it cuts in, the, tr- the trunks are going to get bigger. And so whatever you use to tie those together, that's going to need to be either flexible or it's going to get eaten by the, the root mass. Cause we want to go back and chop off the stuff below the tourniquet. If I'm saying that correctly, is that what you have experienced it? Oh, I think I'm thinking of something a little bit different where you take like a handful of trunks or a couple of trunks and you, you do like an inch worth of like buddy tape or floral tape and get all three trunks to like fuse and then you can place the roots wherever you want them around so it's like creating just one big trunk with a spread of roots um without necessarily having to cut it off but just with the other tourniquet method you're talking about you can do that too um yeah so either way something a little bit flexible is going to be um uh helpful yeah and, and that that method that i was mentioning is something that's a little bit different i've seen some people take like seedlings and put their their taproot through like a washer with a decent size um somewhere between like an inch or so so that the nabari the surface root of it will be more opt to spread laterally easier yeah. and then it has an obvious part of where you could cut that tab off Yep. So that's part of it. And then when we're talking about multiple trunks, Mm -hmm. um, I've seen people, uh, it's, it's a thing that kind of happens too. It kind of girdle the trunks together is, is a terminology. So intentionally cut into them. Uh, usually girdling is a, is a bad thing in bonsai because when I think of girdle, I think of when you wire a branch and the wire cuts in, Mm-hmm. Cutting in is bad, but it's bad enough that not only does it cut in, but it cuts in across the grain of the wood and across the sap line and could sever the branch. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what you're doing with that um, technique as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to add to that? Not really. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the buddy tape is actually... Uh, is actually awesome idea i mean i would only be worried about the the trunks just growing too fast and then like biting into it that's why you said to watch it a little bit yeah if you're if you're trying to connect a bunch of trunks together that way that's something that you have to be real careful about Mm. or you're gonna get a big scar on it yeah i mean obvious things like um and also if the tape is on too long Oh yeah. Would would it cause like uh it would also kind of sw- cause a swell, but it could also cause the wood to be not as strong or resilient. Maybe yeah. that like outside bark. Is that something I think, I think probably more so than that, you're gonna run into like a reverse taper issue um where you might have to cut it off above, you know, where that fusion is because the tape will, you know, cut into it so much that there's a swelling above that. So it becomes a tourniquet instead of just something holding all your trunks together to fuse. Yeah. Um, And once you get fusion, um, I keep thinking of the Dragon Ball Z. Uh, You're probably not. Are you familiar with Dragon Ball Z when they do the fusion dance? I just, every time I think of 
Oh, geez, I'm, I'm such a nerd. Um, but when they do that, when they perform fusion, the fusion dance. Uh, anyway, so the trunks fuse together. What happens after after that? We take the the trunks and we wire them out. Is that what we're kind of looking at? Or yeah. can you do it earlier? You could, but if you're working with seedlings, then, you know, usually you just are focused on getting them fused. And then once mm-hmm. that's strong, then you can cut off whatever or wire out whatever you want to do. Yeah, um, because that's where it kind of goes from. You fuse the trucks together. Great. Now you got the clump going. Now what? It's like mm-hmm. they all just kind of grow into this one giant just, just shooting. It almost looks like a, uh, like a firework of just. Of, of trunks coming up but yeah you yeah. can go in and and do all the wiring all the nippy stuff and usually uh would japanese maples or or trident maples do would they kind of grow outwards on their own would that be something that they would try to do or what do you i think japanese maples probably grow out a little bit more where tridents are more apically dominant like crazy like want to grow straight up right mm-hmm. yeah i think a young a young tree is going to want to go straight up as much as it can just to get height but so you'll you'll have to i think make some cuts initially to kind of direct where you want your growth to go or maybe a few wires but i don't think you would need to do any super hard wiring but it would yeah it'll definitely require some some maintenance which yeah. is why it's just easier to air layer <laughs> yeah yeah that's one thing if you've got like this big giant knuckle on a tree, this is a really great way to get a clump. It doesn't oh, yeah. have to be, it doesn't have to be a broom that you're confused about and be like, oh man, this broom is insane. It's got inverse taper. It's got this ugly scar where I try to do this. Uh, so, so I've seen some te- Japanese technique attempts where, where someone will take like a, uh, like a Zelkova or some elm and, oh, they'll, yeah. and they'll cut that V into it, mm-hmm. that V shape, and then they'll wrap it with, um, with the buddy tape or uh, grafting tape and it'll force all the buds to go straight up out of it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if that's not checked and you don't control the number of buds flying out of that thing, it's going to swell up and just look ridiculous. And mm-hmm. yeah, air layered off clump. Boom. Instant. <laughs> um, yeah. And then clumps could also be, you could find them in your landscape. Like if you've got a big bush that's been hedge pruned, several mm-hmm. times and over and over and then you see like this big giant gnarly piece of just branches and then you see where the branch clearly comes up as a knot mm-hmm. uh, but, but what, what's well i mean all species are different um mm-hmm. but usually in the spring correct like later spring we could start peeling yeah, off you'll like, see, like suckers coming up around like a stump or a old knotted trunk in your yard or whatever mm-hmm. yeah ground layer and air layer everything in the yard that you think is interesting and make plumps out of them. It's, it's easier than you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, I was, there was a, actually a clump. I was trying to think of just a moment ago. I can't remember what it is. It, like I had a, I, I had a, a particular tree in my head. And mm-hmm. then some, for some reason I went back around to that air layered elm tree that mean, mean the you and the intensives worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, that that Yatsubusa, that's like a clump kind of thing. That was an air layer. That's a great example of that too. Yeah, yeah, um, that one was was air layered. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Chinese elms. But I remember one of the one of the issues with the Chinese elm when you air layer it, 
the the roots are so fine that it would yeah. take a, a long time for it to become something that looks like nabari or surface root right yeah um it's just not as quick as like a japanese maple or, or a trident maple could be right um, yeah. so yeah it's it's a great style but it's definitely not a catch-all style mm-hmm. yeah so but yeah that's that's fun as far as bone size styles go i would definitely recommend like i was saying um We'll, we'll probably dive deeper into this as we go on, as we start to discover and tease out more bone size styles or, or forms. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would suggest for the listeners to go out and find uh, bone size styles of the world by Charles Serino. And you can find it on Amazon right now for, let's see, I can include a link. I don't know. If, mm. I can, yeah, link in the description of this episode. Link in um, description. This link in the description below. No, there's a. You can't. You're not watching a YouTube video, so. <laughs> I hear that. I hear a lot of those it's people good that say we're not on YouTube because those facial yeah. expressions I make are just ridiculous. <laughs> don't worry. One day. One day we'll, we'll be on YouTube. One day we'll do a YouTube thing where we both, uh, or all three of us, get get the the nerve to get good cameras and maybe maybe uh intentionally like something like uh i would want to do like a green screen or something i don't know nobody wants to see my dirty man cave office thing that i got going on here but uh yeah go to uh the link i'm gonna throw it in there so it's easy to find i'm seeing uh paperback options are not very well that's not a good link because then two people would be able to buy two used copies in this book but uh, if I if I find a source for it, I will I will make sure to link it. It's it's a great book, um, and it can kind of yeah. I'll have to see if it's here in the library because I I should read that. I mean, it's it's not really a, like a adventurous like big read. It doesn't have like it has a lot more images and drawings. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a good source to be like, uh, what is this tree? Flip through this book. Flip through this book. Oh wait, this kind of looks like this. Oh, it just so happens to be um, like this species. So then we kind of hone in and start styling it towards that style. It's a uh, it makes it makes the 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 pre bone side or the raw stock approach not seem so intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a whole other topic on its own of selecting raw stock or pre pre bone side material, mm-hmm. um, which would be fun for maybe next time, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's uh let's move on to the bonsai word of the week. And I chose mame. Um I hear mame a lot, and it is one of the several distinct bonsai size classification words. And Carmen, uh why do you think bonsai size classification words and all that is important? Um I think the biggest application for it is in a bonsai show to distinguish categories of trees so that you're not judging something that's, you know, a mame, which is what, four inches um, mm-hmm. uh, with something that's, you know, three feet tall. So they get to be in their own category um, just so that you're not, you know, having, because sometimes when you're growing something really small, you're looking for different things than something that's really big. So, and I 
I adore Mame. And a lot of people oh gosh, adore Bonsai. Mm-hmm. Mame. Um, it, it is, I mean, it really kind of exemplifies the, you know, little things for Bonsai. Like this is like the littlest of the little things for Bonsai. Yeah. yeah. Um, now this is where it gets really, I think it's really awesome is uh, the word Mame literally means bean. Like, means like bean? I didn't know that. I love yeah. that. Isn't that awesome? Like it just means bean size. Bean uh, size. Yeah. So something that to be held very easily. So mame. I held a $300 mame maple in my hand once. It was the tiniest thing and it was just like very expensive. And I was like, really? <laughs> it, it, was it was like. Very small. It was very quote unquote expensive. You were like, man, this feels expensive. Feels expensive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and there's a couple of things that can make mame feel old or valuable like that and Mm -hmm. that's going to come from technique and development obviously Mm -hmm. um and sometimes the containers oh my gosh the some of the containers are so they're so elaborate because with mame trees the bonsai potter doesn't have to make such a big pot Mm -hmm. so instead of instead of like really big containers are normally just glazed or they're unglazed and if you find a big bonsai pot with details like uh hand-painted stuff or hand-carved then the price of that pot's going to just be so over the top right mm-hmm. and because they, they have to put all the extra time into it whereas a mame or shohin mm-hmm. which is the next size up uh those little pots they don't have to do so much so i've seen one of my favorite styles of little shohan or mame pots were is like the wedding of the fox or fox's, oh, yeah. Mr. Fox's wedding style pots. They're just so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me think of uh, fan, the fantastic Mr. Fox. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's such an adorable like little design. It's on a little tiny pot. And so, yeah, you can get these little tiny intricate designs or you can get something that's so minimalistic much. I mean, we're already so minimalistic in bonsai sometimes. And this really takes it to the next level of minimalistic. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the height requirement of Mame is I think it's right at four inches, which Mm -hmm. I think so. In all honesty, four inches is still like a decent size. It's not tiny um and i know there's another there's another class classification of 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 smaller bonsai that i've heard what was that mini beans beans. (laughs) what do you even even call them (laughs) uh there's the micro bonsai micro mame um micro beans um i think they're just I just typed, I wasn't typing micro bonsai, but I typed in micro beans on accident. Micro bonsai <laughs> name. Um, I don't think there's any other names for that. Because it, once it gets mame, because mame uh, specifies four inches and under. So I think once it gets to a certain size, like it gets so small, if you're looking at it through like a, like a telescope, I think you're going a little too small. But, uh, yeah, it might be too I've, small. I've seen micros where like, 
There's this one guy, I can't remember if it's exactly, it was in a Boneside documentary. I can't remember the name of the documentary, of course, but if I remember it later on, I can try to tell y'all. It was on YouTube. It was like, a, I think it was a BBC network where this uh, this guy, he was taking these little pieces of clay and he's taking a toothpick and he's making mame, like micro mame trees that were so small that like a, a literal grain of rice would like fit into the pot perfectly. Oh my god what kind of tree was he even using uh they're like little pieces of uh basically like fern or oh, okay. or lichen or oh, okay. moss. they looked they looked like little micro bones but they weren't actually te- technically they were but, but it's technically bonsai though because it's usually like a little tiny plant that looks like a big tree but it's a little tiny tree um of course, in Mome bonsai or bean bonsai, um, bean your proportions bonsai. your proportions are so small, mm-hmm. and so there's a, there's very little room for error in your design, and very little room for error in your care of these little guys. Mm-hmm. So if you miss a pruning, it's over. Grow it into the next size. <laughs> oh crap! Your grew- suddenly becomes Shohin. Yeah, I'll just and I always joke about the subclassifications of of all these small trees because I hear that like a lot of uh, in a lot of bonsai shows when they judge the categories of bonsai sizes, they are like show him. If you do mame, it's still technically show him. They don't really want to go that mm-hmm. that tiny. And the next one is um, kifushu, which is mm-hmm. the ones up to twelve inches to fourteen inches. So yeah. Yeah. And then you and then you go up to do you know Shuhin? what the next one is? I think it's Shuhin, which is the next it's like 12 to 18 inches, I think. Yeah. The, in in the, the the terms and the sorry, the the classifications have varied over the years too, I've heard. Mm-hmm. But um there is like a Shuhin, which I think you said, but maybe that's different. There's the Chuhin. No, that's what I was saying, yeah. It's the chuhin is the one that's up to eight inches or something because a shohin is up to eight inches technically, but because of the way that bone size developed, they get fatter and fatter. And then the chuhin or the chuhin go up to 10 inches. I mean, it's gotten so like, oh, we're, okay. Yeah. yeah we're Kifu, like, aren't Kifu and, and chuhin basically the same thing? Okay. They're like, they're like the very fine line drawn between those two sizes. Yeah, they're like, it's a little too big for Shohin, but you might show it and then have like a Shohin as your accent. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I always joke whenever I'm talking about these size classifications when they get to this point, I always tell people like the best way to think about it is that a Shohin from Shohin to Shohin is a Texas size Shohin. So it, <laughs> it's just it's just a little bit bigger. There should be. Story once of when like Bjorn went to Texas or something and they were doing Shohin or Chuhin. I don't remember what they were doing, but he was like, These aren't the right size. They're like, Everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> I, they uh, they use the, I, I heard that they use the, 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 what is it, the, uh, the bottleneck. I think, I think I told you this earlier on. Maybe this, this is outside of the podcast. Um, something about the bottleneck of a shiner beer is like that that's the limit and <laughs> but anyway yeah i i actually i spent time in texas um last week was that last week i don't know i oh think it was because it was two weeks ago that you were here and the podcast is on a 
week cycle. So this is the past. You're listening. You're, you're time, all of our listeners are time travelers. Um, and so I wasn't. I was in Austin for three or four days, roughly. Um, beautiful, beautiful bonsai over there. Lots of great selection and stuff. And yeah, I mean the bonsai like community and clubs out there is enormous. It's really yeah, so Texas awesome. A lot of bonsai. Yeah, lots of good bonsai out there. Uh, but yeah, awesome guys. Thank you so much for having me over to Austin. I, and I remember talking to the group in San Antonio and stuff. This that's going to be a good time. Um, and maybe maybe things will come up in Houston. I think talking. Speaking of like Mame Shohin, there is a show. Let me look at it on my phone really quick because somebody sent me a message about it a little while back. Let me see if I caught it. Yeah, it's still okay. We're still before it. So the Lone Star Bonesa Society is having. Oh, don't get uh, one. One nationals last year with his his juniper. What's his name? Mm, he's no like oh, he's won he's won the show a few times or quite a few times in a row. Sutin. Oh, uh, Sutin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sutin's going to be at this show in. Sweet seminar basically it's going to be june 10th and 11th and it's going to be the lone star group which which is just texas that's just texas like group of bonsai clubs come together and they put all these seminars together and they're doing a show-in show it's gonna be awesome a show-in show uh but yep and we're still doing the um abs coming up that's coming up in a handful of months Yep, the weekend before the Shohin show. <laughs> yep, there you go. Uh, if you're in the southeast and you're just like closer to Texas than Denver, which how far is it? Denver's a good ways out there. Yeah. Um, for from okay, so give you guys an idea. So we're just kind of rambling on at this point, but whatever. Um, I'm in Louisiana. I'm in southeast Louisiana, and Denver is 20 hours from me. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! It's gosh. it's dead center. In the middle of um, in the middle of Colorado, it's I mean it's literally central Colorado, and this country is sometimes <laughs> <laughs> like you're in the Pacific Northwest right now. And I drove across the country like two years ago, and I'm like, I don't know how big the country is. <laughs> Whoops, because uh, like up where you're at, there's like alpine like uh, cascade yeah. species, and then you're in the Midwest. Uh, like usually, and there's I don't know what y'all's range is more like, um, but that's yeah, that's more like. So I think even from the Pacific Northwest, that drive. Are you gonna drive or fly to that? I'm just to Colorado. Yeah, pro- I'm probably have would to fly. fly. There's no way I can drive. That. <laughs> I don't I have idea how far it is. The fact yeah. that I'm leaving for two weekends in a row in the spring is already is already a lot. <laughs> it's already a lot. But yeah. But uh, yeah, those those shows are coming up. Make sure you guys check them out. I know we've talked about them, but good to keep mentioning them, um, especially for the North American range. Um, I'm sorry to the listeners that I'm not very familiar with your your parts of what's going on. And maybe it would be interesting if you've listened this far into the episode. Thank you so much. I know we're kind of meandering around, but I... I think for those who have listened this far in and you're paying attention uh, to us talking about shows, if there's a show happening in your part of the world that you feel like the bonsai community should know about, and that would be interesting for more 
people who are getting into bonsai could go to and it's accessible, mention it. Um, yeah, let us know. I want to drop know. Yeah. Email me or drop it in the comments at the Patreon page. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you don't have to subscribe to to our Patreon, but it'd be great. But you can subscribe yeah. to our Patreon to <laughs> leave a comment and help the show grow. And we'll help your community grow by mentioning the show. We'll talk about it in detail, say where when it is, where it's at. That would be really cool. I think that would be a great little yeah, thing to throw really in. Um, but yeah, if you're not a paying Patreon and you want to just send it to me, Evan at underhillbonesai.com and we'll talk about it. But um, yeah, that this was this was a good one. This is a good time. I love talking about forms and really picking apart all the different uh, specifications that make the style each style what it is. Because bonsai, getting into it is like you're 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 getting just a peak. Yeah of what it could be yeah it can be so much out there so complicated and it's so funny because like i even i didn't think that much about all the different kinds of clumps and styles of clumps within you know until we really started talking about it's like oh wow this is really broad it's a lot more intricate there's a lot (laughs) more intricacies to it than you think than just looking at a tree and going oh it's a clump yeah. Um, then you can buy your your bonsai friends. You're like, oh, this is a club style, and it's got all the connected trucks come out of like a like a round tortoise, or or uh, or this one is like a raft that fused together so much. And I mean, it's it's great to go. I'm sorry for the like it was like that was like a weird professor or like uh, okay, we're oh. bonsai nerds. <laughs> like a like a like a guy from like noir. Uh, like mafia boss voice there just for a second. Uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, before we get uh, too crazy uh, too and, and <laughs> too late into this recording. Yeah. Or too late. It's already happened. Uh, yeah. Thanks for hanging out, Carmen. And we yeah. will catch up in the next one. I think we'll try to do a guest. I'm hoping we can get a guest on. I don't know who yet. Uh, I know Mike just did the one with Sammy. That was a really cool one. It's mm-hmm. cool to hear Bonesai from other parts of the world. Like I said, if there's other things going on, please let us know. I want to hear about Mike's trip. Maybe we can get him to divulge. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, we yeah. can feature Mike again, get Mike, one of our co-hosts back together with us three. It's it's tough coordinating us all together. Um, yeah, being in three different time zones really makes it tricky. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we'll figure it out one day. Yeah. But okay, well, thanks for listening, Bonesai Buds. We'll see you on the next one. Bye.